0: Hey, Sean Gabey here. Welcome to the Supernatural Leadership Podcast. Wherever you are listening from, we are glad that you have joined us. Please follow us on Instagram at Sean Gabey and at Supernatural Leadership Podcast. And or visit kingdomculture.ca or seangabe.com for more engaging content around topics we will be discussing. As well, you would love it if you would leave a review on this podcast as it helps boost our ability to get this content out to more people. If you are new with us today, just want to inform you that we will be releasing a new episode on the first Wednesday of every month and every so often, a bonus episode. So make sure to hit the subscribe button so you can keep up to date with every episode. There are so many great leadership podcasts out there and truthfully, I love so many of them. So why Supernatural Leadership? Really It's the difference between presence and principle as we discussed in episode one. The very first episode of this podcast really sets the tone for the why and purpose for this podcast. I would encourage you to have a listen if you haven't already. Simply put, we believe everyone has a leader within them at some capacity. Whether you're a CEO, non-for-profit director media mogul, church leader, pastor, small business owner, manager of teams, a dad, a mom, and well, the list could go on. If everyone has a leader within them, why not make that leader a little more supernatural? That's the heart and goal behind this podcast, helping you connect your natural with God's super, making your leadership a little more supernatural. At the end of every episode, there will be practical activations and exercises to help us grow and mature in the various areas discussed. Thank you for listening to the Supernatural Leadership Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode on the Supernatural Leadership Podcast with myself, Sean Gaby. So excited that you're with us today, believing that this podcast will really help your leadership become a little more supernatural Whatever area you find yourself leading, whether it's business, government, media, entertainment, family, education, and or the church. On today's episode, we will be discussing what I call developing a supernatural culture. Developing a supernatural culture. This is episode eight of our Supernatural Leadership Podcast, and I know it's going to impact you greatly. You know, we are called to develop and create within our lives not just a moment where we walk in the supernatural not just a moment in our leadership where you know we experience something supernatural or out of the box but we're called to create in our leadership a culture of the supernatural that's probably why you're listening to this podcast is because you're desiring or you're hungering to take your leadership to a new supernatural level. Well, I want to help you discover today what it looks like to develop a culture of this in your everyday. So it's just normal. I think it's it's the heart of God over your life to take what seems so extraordinary and make it the ordinary, make it the everyday. You know, some would call it to become supernaturally natural, where it's just a natural Thing every day to walk in the supernatural. I think first and foremost, understanding that God is an experiential God. He is a God that um, it wants us to experience him in a real way, day after day, not just once a a week if you go to church, not just, you know, once in a blue moon, not just having, like I said, a moment, but literally living in a momentum of every day we're experiencing some aspect of God. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, you're in some sort of crazy visitation for 24 hours a day and you can't get out of it. I'm talking about just every day. I'm, you know, today I'm experiencing his peace. Tomorrow, you know, he's really speaking to me about this thing that I've been believing for, or the next day I'm getting vision for this new project or whatever the case may be that every day God is inspiring you. He's speaking to you. He's sharing with you his heart for what he has for you because he desires to enter every area and every facet. Of your life, I mean, what would relationship be with a person without experiencing them? Well, if we say we have a relationship with the Creator, with Jesus Himself, there has to be an experience attached to that. I, I, you've probably heard me share already about my experience with God when I was 18 years old on the highway, where he he showed up in my car in a real way, and really everything changed from that point on. In fact, that was sort of the the starting point um, and the milestone that I still look back to to this day that has set the tone kind of like the cornerstone of every other experience or every season of my life I always always looked back and referenced God if you experienced if you if you encountered me that way in my car when I was 18. I know that this should be a consistent thing that I experience with you day after day. Although it may look different, although it may be expressed differently, I know that you want to invade every area of my life. I mean, there's a whole culture of people that are saying, in some sense, show me the money, like show me the goods. You talk about, you know, the supernatural. You talk about Jesus being real. Well, show it to me. Demonstrate demonstrate that to me. Demonstrate that he is real, not just in your speech, but in your action. I think this is the cry of the culture. And so this is why we do this podcast, it really to help the leader become more supernatural, you know? And I I, I think to moments, I was just actually in an interview with um, uh, somebody uh, recently on a podcast and they asked me this question. They said to me, they said, Sean, what, what really, you know, makes or what what would you describe as supernatural leadership like how do you define supernatural leadership and and I kind of I answered that question with you know really living out living out the supernatural every day by stepping out by creating faith space by creating moments where God can move by obviously spending time with him but you know what defines I believe uh, or separates sort of a supernatural leader from just a good leader is presence that, that people, when they get around you, they notice something different about you. They feel something different. They see something different. And I think back to, you know, the beginnings of my life when I had that six month season where I was encountering God in a powerful way that set the tone right after my experience in the car. And in how, when I remember when I went back into the workplace, I'd have these constant experiences and conversations with my coworkers and they would say stuff like, man, you just have this like aura on you. You have this like vibe on you. You have something different about you. To me, that's what is, is that that's what it looks like to walk in supernatural leadership. When people start feeling like there's something different and distinct about you as an individual that stands out and i was thinking about a story actually about how i was invited to this wedding uh, several years ago and <clears throat> i was uh, part of the wedding party it wasn't a it wasn't a christian wedding and um it uh, was a you know somewhat of a traditional wedding and you know people from all walks of life and especially from my old life were in the wedding uh my old the, the party scene that i was in people that knew me before uh, I had my encounter with Jesus and, um, you know, they'd all known that now I have I had had this encounter. So, you know, I think, you know, expecting to have uh interesting conversation with me at the wedding. But I remember I, I was asked to say the prayer for the dinner before the dinner, actually, before the reception started. And so a whole bunch of my friends from back in the day were there that, you know, knew me prior to my encounter. And all I did was get up and I just... You know, I just said a basic prayer. I just said, "Thanks Jesus for the food. Like it was very, very like just natural and uh, non-religious and not formal, so to speak, probably thirty seconds. And I said, amen, and we and we ate. And one of the guys, a friend of mine from the past, um, you know, uh, you know uh, uh, actually still um, a drug addict, and uh, you know, still in that whole scene of that that lifestyle came to me and uh, during the dinner and said, Sean, he said, you know, the most powerful thing in this wedding wasn't the priest. It wasn't uh, the ceremony. Um, it, it wasn't even just the wedding itself. It was the prayer that you prayed before dinner. And I asked the question, I said, what do you mean? Like, well, how is that the most powerful thing in the whole wedding? And he said these words and it really impacted me. It stuck out to me. He said, Sean, he said, Because when you prayed, he said, I actually believe that you believe what you were saying. And that really impacted me. It stuck out to me. It was like the people around me that, you know, may may have said they don't believe in Jesus. They don't believe what I believe. They could feel something different. And they, they even had a faith that what I was saying, I actually believed it. You know, and that just goes to show you, like you can tell when someone actually believes the walk that they're walking versus someone that's just doing it out of principle. Someone that's just doing it because, you know, they're supposed to do it or they're, they they were told to do it. There's something that stands out, and this is what we're talking about about becoming a supernatural leader. Well, pe- where people notice, not just you you know you you hope they notice. Actually, people actually notice that you're different. And so I want to give you just to set the tone, I want to give you four keys today for developing supernatural culture, four keys to developing supernatural culture, taking what is maybe principle in your mind and making it a reality so that people look at you and are like, wow, something is different about you. These keys are going to help you in whatever sphere you're in. And you can apply this to any area uh, any area, any type of career, any environment, you can actually apply these truths and um, in, in these keys in your workplace, in your family, in your friendship life, whatever, whatever season or scenario you find yourself. And number one, number one, first key to developing supernatural culture in your life is number one, accepting the unknown, accepting the unknown. I took this excerpt from a book by Stephen Boyer and Christopher Hall called The Mystery of God, Theology for Knowing the Unknowable. And he, in, in the opening uh, part of this book, he he writes this this statement that I, I really stood out to me and I'm going to connect it to um, actually a quote from C.S. Lewis in a second. But he says this, uh, one of the authors says this, knowing God is like observing the sun. You look at it and you go blind. Instead, you snatch glimpses and you learn to see everything else in light of the light the sun generates. And, you know, the whole premise is, you know, you, it's really hard to look at the sun. You can't really look at the sun with, and you can't really discover what the sun is by looking at it. It blinds you. It's too hard to see, but but when you turn your attention to everything else around you you actually can only see everything else around you because of what you can't see. In other words, everything you can see is a direct result of everything that you can't see. The scene is a result of the scene. Now, there's this um, this quote that I want to read um, from C.S. Lewis. And this is really from the book as well. It's in the same, actually, same paragraph. And he he one of the authors references... Uh, how what he is saying about the sun really is connected to what C.S. Lewis observed. And C.S. Lewis, great author that you all know, you know, Chronicles of Narnia, Lion, Witch, in the Wardrobe, he says this, We believe that the sun is in the sky at midday in summer, not because we can clearly see the sun. In fact, we cannot, but because we can see everything else. And he goes on to say, Lewis's point was clear. There may be certain things that are themselves too great to understand, but that nevertheless enable us to understand lesser things with remarkable clarity. And I want to say this to just kind of continue this thought that the things, like I said earlier, the things I can see are a direct result of the things I can't see. But the interesting truth around this is the things I can see actually reveal the truth about the things I can't see. You know, it says in Hebrews 11, verse three, by faith, we understand that the entire universe universe was formed at God's command, that what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. In other words, everything we see was birthed out of what is unseen. And, you know, and this is part of accepting uh, the unknown in life. We, We don't always see clearly, but because we don't see clearly, we're able to see other things more clear by accepting the unknown, by accepting some of the things that we can't see enables us to embrace the things that we can. You know, Paul actually says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So Paul says to... Focus our eyes and not talking about our natural eyes, not talking about our natural eyes. And we've talked about this. If you listen to episode two, I talk about learning to see, and I I reference this and I really help us understand and unpack what Paul is talking about in this context about fixing our eyes on what is unseen. So that we get a hold of the, the importance of the eternal reality around us. And so how do we do this? Well, you know, listen to episode two. But I say this to say that the the scriptures I just referenced really connect to this point of accepting the unknown, to focus, to to embrace, to embrace mystery, to embrace what is not seen, and to start to see even what's not seen by what is seen around us. I know this is a little bit of a... Uh, I'm kind of going back and forth here a little bit, but I, I I hope you get what I'm trying to get to here is that we are called to embrace the unknown. We're called to embrace mystery. There's something about wrestling out mystery, wrestling it out, wrestling out what we don't understand. I think there was an age a long time ago where it would have been frowned upon. Uh, frowned upon in the workplace or taboo to use words like, I don't know in the professional environment, but things have changed in an era where information is accessible and an era where you can get anything you want to know in a matter of seconds on Google. You can just research it on Google. But the paradox is, is that everyone and yet no one is an expert now. Everyone and yet no one is an expert, you know, where in in times past, you know, you had to be with the right people in the right environments in the right closed circles to access certain information. Now it's just so broad. Anybody can get anything. But the huge shift now in today's workplace environment is it's not we don't want you to know everything. We actually just want you to develop an ability to embrace what you don't know and search out and pursue what you don't know. Pursue mystery. You know, and this is kind of like what our dream life is like. You know, um, the majority of your dream life, I think that for the average person out there that maybe's has never, um, you know, been around people that interpret dreams or maybe they haven't studied the scripture enough to know the language of dreams that maybe they've never read a dream book or whatever the case may be. The majority or the average person that maybe would say, uh, "I don't understand my dreams." Uh, probably have like eighty percent of their dreams are are mist are like mystery to them, are unknown to them. And rather than just passing them off like I don't know what it means, and if God wants me to know what it means, He'll 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 tell me. We we are we are called to embrace it. We're called to accept it, and not accept it in a way that. Um, I'm okay with not understanding it. Accept it in a way that I'm going to pursue what I don't understand. I'm going to position myself to understand it. You know, God or Jesus spoke to his disciples in um, parables, but in the context of the big crowds. And so the disciples would be with the big crowds. Jesus would speak into parables. And then behind the scenes, often the disciples would come, you know, the 12 with Jesus and pursue Jesus for understanding. They wouldn't just embrace it in the sense of accept that they don't understand it. They would accept the unknown because the parable was often a mystery or some, uh, some, Uh, it was almost like what I would call a treasure map. It was like a parable would be like a treasure map. You know, Jesus would drop the treasure map and uh, only those that would be brave enough to pick it up and pursue understanding to pursue Jesus in private would actually discover the treasure uh, on that map. They would actually discover it. But for those that were on the outside, the majority of them would not understand um, the truth, the hidden meaning or the hidden mystery in the parable that Jesus would be speaking. We see it in Mark 4, verse 10. It says, But when he was alone, speaking of Jesus, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parable. And he said to them, To you, it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But to those who are on the outside, all things come in parables. In other words, you know, only those that will pick up this map of treasure and pursue me will find the treasure. Those that will pursue it, those that will accept the unknown, but not in a passing it off as I'll never understand it, but accepting it in a way to pursue understanding, to go after it with all their heart, they will understand it. He said to you, it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. And in biblical thought, You know, the term mystery means something formally hidden, things that could only be understood by revelation. Revelation meaning something that's unveiled for the first time. It wasn't unveiled before, but now it's unveiled. When I have a revelation about something, all of a sudden I'm seeing clear in a way I've never seen before. Um, Another word for mysteries would be secrets or hidden truths. If you break down the Greek word in this context for mystery, It actually means to initiate into the mysteries or a secret known only to the initiated, something hidden requiring special attention. In the New Testament, a mystery is something never to be known by someone's own understanding. It must come from God. In non-biblical Greek, this word actually is knowledge withheld, concealed, or silenced. In biblical Greek, it is actually its truth revealed. So I say this to say that, that Jesus sets it up for us to embrace what we don't understand, to embrace mystery, to accept the unknown. Um, And this is a huge part of developing supernatural culture. If you want to, if you want to go deeper, You know, what you don't understand is simply an initiation into a new pursuit, an initiation into discovery, an initiation into discovering this amazing treasure that's hidden within this reality that you don't understand. Think about there's so many things right now that you probably don't understand in life, um, in your spiritual life, in your dream life. I know for me, I'm a dreamer. And I probably understand sixty to seventy percent of my dream life right away. The rest of it, I have to chew on it. I have to pursue. I have to study. I have to pray. I have to seek counsel. I don't always understand everything that I dream. But I understand that what I dream often is uh, is 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 held in mystery to provoke me. To pursue, to provoke me to go after it in a special way for understanding. So, number one, we have embrace or accept the unknown. Number two, tell God stories. I love this. If you want to develop a supernatural culture where the supernatural is, um, you're you're living it out, walking it out, experiencing it in a new way in your leadership, uh, in the everyday. Tell God stories. You know, Revelation nineteen ten says the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Every time you testify to the goodness of what Jesus has done or who he is, you are prophesying the very same thing to somebody else or into the atmosphere around you. What do I mean? Well, if Jesus has healed you of cancer and you are hanging out with somebody who has cancer and you testify to the goodness of Jesus that he's healed you of cancer, you're actually prophesying the very same thing to the person that's listening to you. And when you prophesy, remember this, when you release the voice of God, when the voice of God is speaking through you, because prophecy is simply relaying the heart and mind of God to people around you or into situations. When you do that, it's like releasing light into darkness. When you release light into darkness, it changes the atmosphere. So this is the power of testimony. I mean, the Bible says in Revelation that we overcome by the word of our testimony. There are things that are trying to overcome you right now in your life that you can actually overcome by declaring the goodness of God, what he's done in your life. There's something powerful that happens when you get with people and to share God's stories, things that Jesus has done in and through your life. You begin to create a new atmosphere around you, begin to prophesy into the atmosphere around you. And I remember like there's been tons of times that we used to do this back when I first had my encounter with Jesus. We used to hang out at this coffee shop. Uh, some friends of mine, we, we, all of us were on this similar journey together. We were all, it was all new. It was all fresh. Man, Jesus is for real. Like he's changed our lives. And we'd sit around this coffee shop and we would just talk for hours about the things that, that Jesus was doing in our personal life, around us whether it was like in a ministry moment things that happened maybe in the grocery store someone got healed at the bar or at the club or on the street we would just share these stories and you can literally in public places you could feel the atmosphere change and all of a sudden people would be drawn to our table I remember tons of times people would come and interrupt our conversation and be like what's going on like Like there's just something different about, about you guys. Like what, it seems like there's like a, 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 an environment of something just really stand out. What is it? And we get to share, share about how this is the presence of God and they would be drawn to our table and then they would have encounters with God. I remember one time I was at a coffee shop locally. And I was hanging out with one friend and we were just sharing about God stories. And I actually was, I was reading a part of a a manual that I had developed on the supernatural. And I was reading a part of it and we were talking about like the signs and wonders of God and talking about when God shows up, that anything is possible. And we always don't always have to understand it. And we're just sharing. And I was sharing these God stories with this individual. And all of a sudden this medium, like a a medium, somebody that, that, um, you know, consults the dead on behalf of the living that, you know, conducts seances and stuff. This medium comes into the coffee shop and uh, is just drawn to our table and literally interrupts our conversation, sits down at the table and starts to engage with us. And, uh, you know, actually, she actually gets a word for us, which actually was interesting uh, at the time. And uh, we turned around and got to give her a word back and share with her the true the true source of spiritual life. And that was Jesus. And we got to minister to her and pray for her. And this actually developed and built a relationship over years with this individual. She ended up coming to one of my courses and just getting rocked by the power of God. and But it all happened because we were sitting down in a coffee shop and just telling God's stories and the atmosphere began to draw in this individual. And uh, yeah, she had an encounter. And so I would encourage you Take time to hang out with friends and just share these things. You know it says in Philippians four four verse eight, uh, uh, Paul writing from from jail actually encourages um the the believers to to fill to fill our minds and meditate on things that are true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly. things to praise. Not things to curse. He 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 encourages us to put into practice this lifestyle of focusing on the good and and telling you know sharing stories, things that will actually build people up, that will encourage. Because there's something about an atmosphere that will uh, will just get on on you, but also into the environment that will attract people and be will be part of you. Little like learning to live out uh, a supernatural culture. So number three, number three. Uh, third key into developing a supernatural culture is create some space. Create some space. Give, give some space for God to do what he wants to do. And when, maybe, that, maybe that is actually just sitting down for a cup of coffee and just talking about talking about God, talking about the good things that he's done in your life. Create some space. Hebrews 11, 6 says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So really what I'm talking about is create faith space. Create faith faith, space in your life and, and give him moments, give him, um, opportunity to do something incredible. Maybe there's an issue in your life that you're facing right now. Maybe things aren't moving forward in an area of your life. I guess the question I would ask you is, are you creating space for him to move or are you just waiting him for to create for, for him to create this space? I, I believe that 95% of the time, 99% of the time I would venture to say, Uh, God is waiting for you. God is waiting for us to give him an opportunity, to give him a container to work within, to step out in faith, to start that thing that you've been believing for, not waiting for it to come to you, but giving him the opportunity. Even if you fail, I would rather fail trying than than, than not try it all and wonder forever if I missed it or if I didn't give God an opportunity to do something that he always wanted to do. You know when you look around, you see you know, you see people, you know, you see problems, you see um you know, situations that are impossible to to overcome. Um, and and often those things stop us from stepping out. Often those things that stand in front of us stop us from moving. And I kind of talked about this this earlier about, you know, not just letting what is seen, be the thing that you focus on, but focus on what is not seen. Well, what is not seen right now is your breakthrough. What is not seen is the thing that God wants to do. You see everything that says and screams at you, no, it's impossible. You can't do this. You can't do that. But Paul encourages us to focus on what is unseen. Unseen on what is not seen. And what is not seen is the breakthrough, is the promise, is the thing that you know is rightfully yours. And so you have to fight through what is seen to get into the unseen by stepping out in faith. And there's a great story in Mark chapter four, and you can read it between the verses 30 and 44, <clears throat> where you know Jesus encounters with his disciples this moment <clears throat> where there's 5,000 people and, uh, well, actually, no, there's 5,000 basically men, um, with their wives as well as children. So there could be like 15,000 technically. Um, but 5,000 plus people that are without food. And, you know, it's getting late. The disciples want to, you know, encourage Jesus to stop talking because, you know, somehow these people got to eat. They're getting weary. They're getting tired. And, uh, and so the disciples, you know, try to convince Jesus to, to you know, get an action plan together, you know, and, and, you know, keep in mind, they had just crossed over in a boat together to the other side of the lake. They did not have the means or the food to feed these 5,000 people, but they did have a few. They had a few loaves, a few fishes and it says, um, you know, after when and I'm, I'm paraphrasing for you guys, uh, you know, it talks about how the disciples are, you know, asking Jesus what they should do. Should we go into town or whatever? And it says in verse 37, I love this response. Jesus says to them, you give them something to eat. You, you find a solution, but the the thing, the, the, the solution is actually found in a statement that Jesus says in verse 38, the verse after. He says, how many loaves do you have? And he says this, he says, go and see. See, in this moment, he's encouraging the disciples to create some faith space by seeing what they don't see, by seeing into the unseen, by focusing on not what's temporary, not the bread in front of them, but to focus on the eternal. Well, here's the thing. God. One of the names of God is El Shaddai. One of the names of God is Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Jireh means God provides. El Shaddai means that he's the God of more than enough. So here's the reality. In the eternal realm, there is always not just the provision, there is more than enough. And Jesus had been teaching his disciples through many different scenarios and situations how to access faith by seeing the promise of God versus just seeing the situation or challenge in front of them. And so here Jesus says, go and see. How many loves do you have? Well, we have a few loves, we have a few fish. Jesus knows the answer to the question. Here's the thing. Jesus never answers you, asks you a question without already knowing the answer. He just wants you to hear your own answer. But he's trying to initiate something in you. He's trying to initiate faith in you. He says, how many loves do you have? He says, go and see. Like I said, he knows. He wants to turn on the eyes of your faith to create some space for him to do a miracle. Now, we know the the rest of the story. Um, You know, Jesus blessed the the bread, gave thanks, and uh, the disciples distributed the bread, and as they distributed the bread, stepped out in faith, created some faith space. The bread uh, began to multiply, and they actually had more than enough when they ended. So they fed, let's say, fifteen thousand people approximately, maybe even up to twenty thousand people, and uh, and there was more left over. How did this happen? Well, they created some faith space. I can't tell you how many times um, in life, especially in the area of finances, where my wife and I, Michelle, you know, we've stepped out, created some faith space where let's say we were in need of something financial. And then we'd create some faith space and God would tell us, okay, I want you to give all of this, give all this away or sow this. And it was space that God wanted us us to create so he could move. There was one time we were taking up, um, we were moving out of our current building that we lost to Costco just over four years ago now. And uh, when we were moving, we were raising money. We needed to raise a bunch of money, and uh, and my wife and I um, were praying about what we were to give. And we had had this um, this uh, this savings account that we had been putting money in for years, slowly, and it, it was money that we were going to use for furniture, brand new furniture for the current house we were living in. And uh, we had, you know, we wanted to buy new furniture, fix up some of uh, you know some stuff in our kitchen but really it was for furniture and we'd saved it up. And, um, and you know, it, it wasn't that much, but at the time to give God was speaking to us to give it all into the offering, to give it all into this, you know, fundraising, to to move and transition out of this building. And this was above and beyond our normal giving, our normal tithe, our normal, you know, offering week in and week out. And uh, at that time it was, it, it would have been the, the biggest one-time gift that we would have, have given. It was $10,000. <clears> and so we gave the whole, chunk of the money and it was a big stretch for us. Um once again it was above and beyond our normal giving. It was everything that we had for our furniture. We gave this money and um one year later, one year later through situations and circumstances, we had the opportunity to uh to move. And now so now we're moving and we're moving into a new house and within three months and keep in mind that money's gone and we still have the furniture that we, we had from before, but now we're moving into a new house, a bigger house. And we don't have the furniture we need to even fill the house. And it was one year later to the week exactly that we sewed or gave our furniture money of $10,000 that a business guy sat me down at a coffee shop who didn't even know about this situation that we had stepped out and given all of our furniture money um, into this fundraising to move and transition, sat me down and said, Sean, my wife and I you know, really feel like we want to Um, uh, we were praying about it and really feel like we want to buy you all brand new furniture for the new house that you're moving into, uh, in three months. And they ended up giving us, and he said, he said to us, you can pick it out, custom furniture, whatever you want. And literally we ended up getting over $20,000 worth of brand new furniture for our new house. So I said it to say, um, it's crazy story, crazy testimony to encourage you that when you create faith space. And it doesn't make sense. And you can see beyond that, that in that $10,000 seed that we gave, you know, if we, we could see there was something significant about it. Maybe we didn't see that it was going to turn into $20,000 with the furniture, but we could see there was something significant, something miraculous about that. Just like the disciples had to see that they saw the few loaves of bread, but because the eyes of their faith were turned on they could see that even in those few loaves of bread, there were thousands more loaves of bread within those few. If you can begin to see, and if you can begin to create some faith space, you'll be shocked of what God will do. And so I want to encourage you to continue to create space every day in every season for God to move and watch what he does. This is a key to develop a supernatural culture. And this is a lifestyle for Michelle and I. This is not something we do once in a while. This is a lifestyle that we live over and over again. And I have hundreds of testimonies and stories that uh, have happened as a result of creating space. Number four, our last key is stay in constant dialogue. Stay in constant dialogue. You want to develop supernatural culture. Stay in constant dialogue. I, you know it says in First Thessalonians chapter five verse seventeen to be unceasing in prayer. To 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 have a, a a perseverance prayer. The New Living Translation says never stop praying. Other translations says Paul says I pray without ceasing. When what what the writer is saying really in this verse is not that I I'm always talking twenty four seven to God. I'm always talking. I'm always praying. I'm in intercession because that's impossible. You can't, you can't do that and, you know, do and live life and, uh, be the person you're called to be. If you're just 24 hours a day, constantly in this place of prayer privately, that doesn't make any sense. What he's saying is that I'm in a place of constant dialogue and, in in my mind, in my heart, in my spirit. Yes, I'm talking to God. I'm thinking about God because, you know, there's many different forms of prayer. There's meditation, prayer, uh, Uh, contemplation, which is, you know, you're, you're contemplating, you're in a place of stillness, you're thinking on God, whatever you think most about really is a form of prayer to whatever you're thinking about. If you think most about anxiety and fear and the fear of not having enough, well, like, like you're, you're literally meditating and you're in a place of praying and empowering that fear and anxiety in your life. But you know, what Paul is, is, is getting us to, to get a hold of is to be in a a constant place of dialogue and where I'm listening to God, I'm thinking about God, I'm talking to God. And whenever I'm doing, maybe I'm doing laundry. This is what brother Lawrence practiced. He has a a great book. There's a great book written by uh, a, a dedicated, you know, um, saint called brother Lawrence. And he talks about practicing the presence of God, whether it's while you're doing dishes, while you're doing the garden work, whatever it is that you're doing to practice the presence of God by thinking about him, by meditating on the scripture, by being in constant dialogue and listening prayer. You know, Psalms 46 verse 10 says, be still and know that I am God. That word know literally means to perceive and understand who God is. We get to know God through not just praying, not just, you know, being on our knees, praying, But to be still, just to listen, to be in that place of just knowing that he is with you in whatever it is that you're doing. And so, you know, I would encourage you to, to stay in constant dialogue, to stay in constant connection, even if like with your wife, if you're, you know, if you're married, you're listening, you know, just sometimes the best, the best moments are just sitting on the couch with your wife without having to say anything. You're just in the presence of your spouse, and that's actually, that's actually a form of prayer. It's a form of engagement. It's a form of dialogue. It may not be the kind of dialogue you're used to as far as you know, having a conversation, but it's a form of connection. And this is the type of prayer that Paul is encouraging us to pray is that just without remission, without interval, we're just constantly connected. We're staying connected. We're staying connected in many different ways. And so that is the fourth key, I believe, to developing supernatural culture. Of course, it's the relational part. Now let's do a quick review of what we just talked about and a run through. and, And I wanna go through a few takeaways for developing a supernatural culture in and through our leadership. First, remember that God is experiential. And that this is the most important reality behind developing supernatural leadership. Jesus wants to encounter you. He wants you to encounter him. He wants wants you to include him in every aspect of your leadership. The four points. Number one, accepting the unknown. Embrace mystery. Embrace what you don't understand. Remember that what is unseen is more important than what is seen. But that what is unseen actually reveals to us the beauty of what is seen and vice versa. And so accept what you don't understand, accept that you can't always understand everything in life, but to not give up, to pursue, to discover, to go after even what you don't understand so that it develops in you uh, a perseverance um, and an energy and 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 a faith to go after the things that you may not understand. Number two, tell God stories, hang around people, talk about God stories, you know, talk about, The things that God has done in your life, through your life, it's gonna change the atmosphere. It's gonna develop supernatural culture around you. Number three, create some space. Talking about faith space. Give God room to move in your life. Number four, stay in constant dialogue. Stay engaged in some form of conversation. Now, I wanna give you four activation points today. And uh, I I think this will encourage you. But over the next month, I wanna encourage you, as we have some time between now and the next episode, Um, I want to give you time to really practice some of this stuff. Number one, write down some things that have happened recently that you don't understand and take time to thank God for them. You know, it may be something to do with unanswered prayer in your life. You may have had a dream that you don't understand. Um, and maybe a situation in life where you thought it was going to go one way, but it went the other way, write those things down. And as hard as it is, I want you to actually thank God for what you don't understand. Because it's in that place of thanking him that you learn to embrace and accept the unknown, but not in a way where you pass it off, but in a way that just begins to acknowledge that God is supreme, that God is in charge, that God has a plan within the plan that hasn't gone the way that you wanted it to go. And you you never know in that place of thanksgiving, in that place of being thankful, you might just discover what it is that God has been or was doing the whole time. Number two, get with some friends once a week over the next four weeks and take the first 30 minutes to an hour to just share some God stories and watch what happens. Just share some of the craziest out there God stories that have happened to you, whether it's in the past or in the present dreams that you've had, maybe things that you don't understand, just talk about the goodness of God and watch the atmosphere around you change and do that in a public place. Watch what happens. Number three, take one area of your life that you feel like is not moving, that is not advancing, and I want you to create some space for him to move in. Maybe your finances, you're struggling. Well, I wanna encourage you, create some faith space, give more, be more generous, go in the opposite spirit. The very thing that you're struggling with give God space to move. Number four, think about, this is easy. Think about God more often. It's one of the ways we dialogue. Just think about him more often. Think about what he's like. Think about who he is. Think about maybe meditate on a scripture. This is going to be a huge aspect in deepening your relationship with him. Keep your mind focused. Paul said, keep your mind fixed on things above where Christ is seated. It's huge. It will change the game for you. Well, That's it for today, and I want to thank you for listening to Episode 8 on Developing a Supernatural Culture on the Supernatural Leadership Podcast. Looking forward to connecting with you in the future again. Please share this, review it, and or DM me on uh, Instagram or other social media platforms with topics you would like to hear in the future and or any questions. Thank you so much. This is Sean Gaby with the Supernatural Leadership podcast. My heart for you is that you would see your leadership become a little more supernatural. See you next time. If this podcast has been an investment into your life and or impacted you in any way, we are incredibly thankful. We would love for you to join us in being able to continue bringing leadership content like this every month. Of course, it does not come without a cost. And our heart is to continue bringing you more improved quality and content. If you would like to partner with us with a one-time financial gift or to sign up as a monthly partner, you can do so at kingdomculture.ca. Thank you for listening to the Supernatural Leadership Podcast.